Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. More Automotive Group Potline, ESPN Radio's Mike Wells. Mike, I'm going to give you the bridge right here. Take it away. Dulcet tones. Go ahead. Need. <laughs> Everybody knows better. Can you stand the rain? Man, you sound exactly like Ricky Bell right there. You do. <laughs> You're like Ricky Bell. You know, the reason why I bring this up is because I, I talked to our friend Dion, who runs our stations, and uh, we're going. We're all going. So you can't, you can't have any, well, you know, I don't know if I can go this or that. New edition. No, no, no. Hey, I, I'm telling you, I have told yeah. your favorite member of the Wells household, I don't care what's going on. It's got, it's, it's got to be, one reason I will not be there is it's health-related. I am going to be up in there because every time I turn on 107.6, they're playing. They're sitting there playing. Uh, what you call it? They're playing uh, the the promos for it, and it's not even so far. Oh yeah, that's how hype. That's how hype it is. I'm the. Well, uh, I appreciate and, and, you, brother. You got it. I got your back on it. We better say 1067. Yeah, you got you got hey. it. That's okay. You're you're in the ballpark right there. But I I talked to Dion last week. So he knows some people. So we are all going to see New Edition, and it's all the New Edition. It is Johnny Gill. It's Ralph Trasvan, Ricky Bell, Bobby Brown, Michael Bivens, Big Ron DeVoe. You've got Keith Sweat, and you've got Guy as well. That means Teddy Riley's in the house. We may, we may never, ever come back from this. Never. Listen. They might have to drag. They might have to drag me out. They got to drag me out that night from a, from from the from the field out. Hey, I apologize. One zero six seven. I love y'all. I listen to y'all all the time on the slow jams and everything. But yeah, I I cannot wait for it. Well, that's March the twenty fourth. That's on a Friday. That is doable for all of us, and we will be there. And a shout out to Dion, who is uh, going to get us all. We're all going together, which is going to be absolutely. Fantastic. All right, where do you want to start? We can get with the Colts in a minute. Give me your thoughts on watching watching the Pacers. Is this something that you think you would ride with right now, even past the trade deadline, to keep it as it is? Or would you still go a direction where a lot of people thought they would go and ultimately trade 33 or maybe even Buddy Heald? I've made my argument earlier about this. What say you? I'm rolling with it, man. I mean, you, why? I'm not. Let's, let's realize, and we can all realize that you know the Pacers aren't. They're not a, a title contending team. They're not. They're not one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference this, this year. But the way they have knocked down all the naysayers, saying take this, take this. You know, don't no need to win. Get rid of 33. Trade them and stuff. I mean, what was it? Vince Champs had a report recently that they were talking about talking about a, a new contract extension for 33. Let, let's let's see what they can do with this foundation. I mean, the, the young the young pieces are there, and Rick Carlisle and his coaching demeanor is fitting this group perfectly. Are they are they going to are they going to take their lump? Yeah, we 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 saw that in New Orleans um, earlier this week. But with that said, 
they're an exciting team. When when's the last time we've we've the word excitement and Pacers have been talked about in the same sentence? It's been a yeah, long you know, time it's, since he, it's been discussed. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's funny about that, Mike. Is I, I look back and you know, people. One of the things people always bring up is how enjoyable these guys look like that time-wise they have together. And the last moment I can remember that, and this this might have been maybe it was was it Oladipo and Sabonis's first year here when Corey Joseph was a part of the team, and you had that kind of signature moment picture where he had an and one on a layup and everybody came off the bench and on the floor and kind of lifted him up and he had a big smile on his face and everybody was happy. That moment was, I think, the last time you could get with a team that looks like they have as good of a time with one another as this one does. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Trust me, we, we've, we've watched and covered a number of teams where the chemistry, where it's been a complete dislike between players, and it has trickled down to uh, have, having issues on, on, on the court, on the football field, in the front office. And you can sense that there's a legit, you know, situation where everybody likes each other on this team. I've watched, I have watched more Pacer games this season than I did all of last season. I would catch highlights last season. I am finding myself watching Pacer games with at least three quarters of the game and a lot of times the entire game. That's just how how, how exciting it is. And did, did you get Wally Zerbiak on the show, man? Uh, he would not return. Hey, Kyle, jump on here. By the way, this day is Kyle Udemark Friday on our Bud Light Blue Friday for Manly's Irish Mud at 10th and Shadeland. Today is Kyle Udemark's final day with us. I uh, Kyle and I had we had our we had our uh, we had our bromance moment uh, when he called me and um, I, I told him best of luck and everything and appreciate I know he was tired of uh, seeing you know uh, the the uh, brown skin thumbs up emoji on the normal Friday text around twelve o'clock if I'll be on at four he was probably tired of seeing the the, the, brown, the brown finger emoji my kids say I need to stop doing emojis and stuff but uh, I, I do wish uh, Kyle best of luck and everything. Well, I appreciate no, that, Kyle. Wells. But uh, the Zerbiak yeah. thing, we reached out and uh, never heard back, and then he ended up going on TV that next day and doing his little, you know, half-ass apology. Well, hey, well, here, I'm going to tell you this. So Alan Hahn, uh, former Knicks beat writer, he works with MSG. Him and I are good friends. And I sent him a text saying, what the hell's going on with your boy Wally? And I, cover, I covered Zerbiak um, on the Timberwolves when he was with Garnett and Sprewell and Sam Cassell yeah. and everything. I said, what's up with your boy? And he, he said, I'm not touching that. In fact, he said, once um, once Hall- Halliburton makes the All-Star team, Zerbiak should have to come in and, and tell Halliburton he made the team on the East. And it would be great if Wally did that. Maybe we can get Chrissy Myers and the folks over the Patriots to reach out to <laughs> Wally and have him and let him go in and swallow his, his lump of coal for sitting there making an ignorant comment about a guy who – is killing so many folks in the league. But I, I, I got to laugh. I, could, I cannot believe it. Mind you, Wally only made one all-star game in his appearance, in, in his career, so he has no room to be talking about folks like that. You know, it's funny about that, and, and going back to it, and then we'll move on, is it was, it was so out of character, and it, it was it, – it, it, you, you could tell that somebody had told him maybe you need a little bit more of an edge – because he was trying to like be today with all these big mouth, just saying stuff to stay, say stuff, bull crap like that. 
Um, and it wasn't working for him. He wasn't accustomed to it. He wasn't used to it. It didn't sound good, and he just he ended up like a lot of these dudes do in this era of just trying to talk the loudest and, and have an opinion on everything just came across looking like a horse's ass, you know? And that, that's, that's going to stick to it. That'll stick to him for a while. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the number of people that have tweet, that, that tweeted about that, and the, the more the more Halliburton continues to kick ass on the court this season, people are going to remind Zerbiak of that. I mean, do, do the Pacers and Knicks play each other anymore this season? Um, yes, I believe. What? Uh, oh, two more, was, one oh, more that, time. I, I can't remember exactly how many. Bat- maybe two more times, but I'd have to check and see. But yeah. Oh my God! That, hey, that that'll be that'll be great if, if if that's the case because I mean Zerbiak really, like you said, he became so many of these guys who talk on TV and talk on radio. We've all come across yeah. these, these these folks who just like to hear themselves talk, and when it's all said and done, they sound pretty stupid on the things they say. One more time they have a matchup. One more time with the Knicks, the Pacers do. It's Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us. I, I came out at the start of the show, and it, it's easy to point out, you know, you have Buddy Heald, who had the, uh, the quickest three-point make in the history of the NBA, who is just shooting the lights out right now, and he, he's a shot maker, which is of the highest value across the landscape of the NBA and you have, you know, Miles Turner playing at his highest level consistently as he has in a Pacers uniform. And I didn't point out that. I, I point out this with both these guys that are most commonly, Mike, mentioned in any trade rumors that are out there, is it's the threat of them both. It's the threat of Buddy Heald offensively. You saw it twice last night. Tyrese Halliburton could have made an extra pass, but Donovan Mitchell ran out to cover up Heald because he was even such a threat without the ball, and that opened up a wide-open look for Halliburton. Both times he knocked it down. That is a threat without the ball that you don't often see that the Pacers should embrace. And then when Miles is off the floor, nobody's worried about anything. And you know what? Jared Allen may score over him. Mobley may score over him. But he is always that threat out there. And he's always in the other team's mind and certainly written in bold print in the game plan for every team. And that is something you will also miss. I thought really good examples last night beyond the box score about why these two guys most often mentioned in trade rumors are essential with what we have seen with the growth of this team so far. No, you're you're 100 correct. And by the way, when I when I saw Buddy make that three off the off the uh, jump ball last night, I, I, it reminded me of you shooting jumpers at a Hinkle Fieldhouse off I the moment it. we checked the ball in on our media day uh, media games back in the day over at Hinkle. I mean, but but you know what? Just that that play right there, not only showed what type of shooter that Buddy is and the confidence he has, but the confidence that Rick Carlisle would sit there and say, you know what? You get the ball off the jump. And you're right there at the three-point line. Take the shot. Who cares? There's no rebounders down there. That tells you to, it, it's the freedom that they have offensively. And I tell you, I mean, I covered Rick Carlisle in his first go around with the Pacers. He was so tightly wound. He he and Jamal Tinsley probably would probably would have went 12 rounds if they could. If they could lock themselves in the room. But now he he, he changed when he went to Dallas. Obviously, when you have a guy like Luca and you have a point guard like Jason Kidd back in the day, you, you kind of loosen the reins a little bit, and now he's letting the young kids just play basketball. And that's why I think there's games that they're just out there playing. It's like they're playing pickup ball because they have the freedom to do what they want to do, and, and Carlisle's not breathing down, the neck, breathing down their necks as a micromanaging head coach. 
know, the other thing, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, is that you, you look at the most common response given about why people believe they need to trade Buddy Heald is to open up even more time for Benedict Matherin. And Mike, that's unnecessary. He's going to get his, and that's the great thing about it. It doesn't matter where he is. He's going to go out there as a young, evolving player, well above what everybody thought he was going to be, and he is going to go out and get his. So to me, this whole so-called healed minutes clock conflict with playing time with Mather and his crapola. Yeah, listen, I'm a, I'm a believer of it doesn't matter. If you're getting minutes, you're getting minutes. Only only difference is you're not getting your name now to them in starting five. You're not high-fiving as you come and, high, you know, uh, you know, walk on the court when the PA guy announces your name. If you're getting minutes, you're getting minutes. It, it's what, what are we, what? what, 30-something games, about 35 games or so into the season? And the only people that are complaining about the rotation are the fans. Those are the only ones questioning yeah. the rotation. That's it. They're not hearing anybody complaining internally inside the Pacers organization. Like, oh, this guy should be starting or this guy should be starting or this guy should be coming like a bitch. It's working. Who, who would have who thought right now, 36 games into the season, the Pacers will be two games over 500, sitting with the number six seed in the Eastern Conference with a better record than Jimmy Bur- than Jimmy Butler and and the Miami Heat. Better than Trey Young, who clearly he and Nate McMillan are not seeing out there and things. And then also DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and the Chicago Bulls. Nobody would have thought. If you, if you would have thought that, please give me the damn Powerball numbers so I can retire tomorrow when I win the lottery. If you would have thought the Patriots would be the number six seed, you know, at near the midpoint of the season. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Potline. Bud Light, Blue Friday, Texans Colts tickets to give away. Looking for you at Manley's Irish Mutt. Watching Notre Dame right now down 14-7 to South Carolina. That is the Gator Bowl in which is going on right now. We'll get you an update coming up a little bit later on. Moving on to the Colts. People explain this to me all the time, and I just I don't get this, Mike. And, and obviously, you spend a long time covering this team. My feeling is... Six years of Chris Ballard and what we have seen to where we are right now is enough. It's time to move on. What do you think would dictate to Jim Ursay the trust and reason why you would continue moving forward with Chris Ballard after this disaster of a season as your general manager into year seven? That's a great. That, that's a great question. I, I don't. I don't have an answer, Jay. I, I do not know. I do not know, and I, I can't wait. I cannot wait for Holder and Kiefer and Chappie and Joel Erickson and those guys to talk to Ballard at the end of the season, um, you know, week after next, you know, whenever Ballard has this season in the press conference, because I don't think there's any skating around what has happened with this franchise and the expectations that the belief that was, there wasn't this season. Uh, it, it just seems to be Ballard can't make any excuses on why you know, the, the the left tackle situation has not worked out. Why, you know, the revolving door quarterback, you just clearly, you know, not trying to get anybody high in the draft has not panned out. He's got he's got to sit there and take all all the punches thrown his way. He can't run from those questions at the, at the season in the press conference. Let me ask you let me ask you this though. I know we talk a lot about Ballard and you know, clearly we understand where your your belief is on things. Where do you see Jim Mercy in all of this? Because I don't think Ursay uh, deserves a free pass either. 
No, no, no. I mean, his, his meddling, his meddling has been equally detrimental to this season. And in fact, when you look at the hiring of Jeff Saturday on the interim basis, if, if Jim truly did want Jeff to be the head coach going into next year, uh, you've set him up to fail. Hiring him when he did, get him covered up with all these losses in, in some of the more embarrassing games we have seen here recently for the Colts in the history of their time here in Indy. This covers him up. And you know what? A lot of this stuff, Mike, was going to happen anyway. It was going to happen anyway, regardless of who the coach was. So your play was, if you really, truly believed in Jeff Saturday, all right, he can be the consultant. Maybe he can still tell you what's going on. But now with this either consultation look into, this look-see that you get, the feedback you get about the team, also being the coach, I don't think there's any way that Jim Irsay can bring Jeff Saturday back, even if he wants to. And certainly if you bring him back and have Chris Ballard coming back, I think everybody around here is going to put their hands up. He is at the top of the list of reasons why this thing is a major malfunction right now. There's no question about it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I am a big fan. I'm a big fan of Saturday. I'm, I like him as a person. But if you believe Jeff Saturday had all the tools to be the head coach, why not let Frank Wright get through the season and then hire Saturday? Because yeah. after the season, yeah. and you should have did it that way. Instead, you set Saturday up for failure because between the quarterback pro- the, set, the quarterback problem and just the the demeanor the demeanor of the uh, the the, the, the other players and everything after so many losses. And, and here's I don't know if you you might have talked about this too, but I had I took Layla to the dentist this morning, and my dentist brought up a point. He said, hey, did you see that uh, Shaq Leonard no longer mentions the Colts and stuff on his Twitter account and his, his social media? And I was like, nah. I was like, I don't, you know, I really don't pay attention to that. Did you catch wind of that? Yeah, and then he, he actually tweeted about it and said, hey, there's nothing here that's a big deal. He's still got a, a, a picture of himself in a, a Colts uniform. He was, what, what he does, and you, you covered him when he did this as well, he oftentimes li- he liked a trade scenario for him, and liking that was motivation of proving people that around here believe he needs to be traded um, next year when he plays as being wrong. So that's um, that's what that was about, uh, and he actually answered that as uh, this is nothing whatsoever. So that's what was said yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't even know anything about it. I mean, I said I'm in the dentist. And um, it bringing, being brought to my attention about it, but it, I just yeah. think this, this off this off season, Ursay, in my opinion, needs to take a step back, Jay, because you you think about this, yeah. the comments that he has made has really, I, it, it, Ballard and Frank Wright do not deserve a free pass. They do not deserve free pass. But when you have an owner making comments about. You know, your quarterback, Matt Ryan, you know, has some of the leadership qualities of Peyton Manning, one of, the, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You want the multiple Lombardis. You're tired of losing to the Tennessee Titans. You're putting the pressure on. And, you know, even though Frank, again, deserves blame, but when your owner's saying those things, you're like, all right, you know what, I don't have time to develop a first-round pick quarterback. I got to get a veteran in here and hope that he can do the things that the owner, the owner wants to to do as far as winning and winning divisions and getting to the playoffs and stuff. I just think at some point, Ursula's got to say, I got to let whoever the general manager is going to be, be the general manager, let the head coach be the spokesperson for the franchise and just sit back and be a supporter of the franchise that he owns. 
You know, what's funny about this is a year ago, all the blame went on the shoulders of Carson Wentz. What did we learn this year? That it all shouldn't have gone on the shoulders of Carson Wentz. This year, all the blame goes on the shoulders of Frank Reich. What have we learned? All the blame should not go on the shoulders of Frank Reich. So there is no doubt that if, you know, the intention is keeping Chris Ballard around, he's getting away with it right now. And I got news for you. If he's going to be around to draft the new quarterback coming up in the spring, He's going to be around for not just year number seven, but year number eight as well. And I, I just I don't see I don't see the trust in moving forward with that that certainly Jim Irsay does and that certainly even some of the fans out there do. I just I think that where they are right now, this whole product that was put together for the past six years, regardless of what's transpired at quarterback, the swings and the miss, the quitting, all that, this whole foundation hasn't worked. And that is firmly on the shoulders of Chris Ballard. Yeah, yeah, man. I just think what what Ursa made the comments to um, a Monday night a Monday night about again put his put he put his foot foot down and saying Ballard's going to be his GM. That's twice. I yeah. know people can say, well, he said the same thing about Frank Wright, blah blah blah. But this is twice now that Ursa has backed his general manager. I mean, what, what, what would it take for Ursa to change his mind over the next two weeks of the season to say, all right, you know what, Chris? We should probably part ways because Chris yeah, Ballard, I mean, Ballard, he's yeah. he's too prideful. Chris Ballard's not going to walk away and a leave the money behind and b just say, all right, you know what? I just uh, I failed at my job. I'm gonna I'm gonna go elsewhere. Ballard is no. not that kind of person. He would never do that. I can't imagine there being more of a rock bottom of embarrassment than what's already been hit. So there's no doubt. I mean, if you get if you get yeah. past 33 point lead at the half, gagging that up. If you get past you know, the, the fourth quarter in Dallas, if you get past, you know, what took place on Monday night, that, that standalone Monday night embarrassment offensively is what they – I mean, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. But uh, they, they are completely in disarray right now. And to me, the only thing if you keep Chris Ballard around that is universally embraced and people will have belief in is if you're able to hire Jim Harbaugh. I think everybody else pales in comparison and the court of public opinion around here. It, if you go out, if you keep Ballard, if you're able to hire Jim Harbaugh, I think that makes a lot of people, most people feel a lot better, a feeling that you won't have with really anybody else that I think you end up hiring as the next head coach. Or if it's Jeff Saturday, if it's Ken Dorsey, Eric Bieniemy, or you know whatever the flavor of the year might be. So they're in a, yeah. they're in a tough spot because I don't see Jim Harbaugh you know, unless he wins the national title and he wants to get back to the NFL, I don't think anybody sees him leave it in Arbor. We'll see. No. Exactly. Hey, I know we got to give her a run. Uh, does Lane and the girls start their middle school season next week? Yeah, no, I think so. They're doing uh, – they did some um, – what do they do this week? Uh, open gyms, I think, is what they had or something. A couple of days this week. So, yeah. Fired up. Yeah, How about Lane, everybody Lane, over in Brownsburg? You guys ready to go? Yeah, they got their first game of the season next week, next Tuesday against Zionsville. So I will, um, I will be up in the gym. <laughs> hey, I got, hey, I, hey, you got time? You got time for a quick story? I got to tell you an embarrassing yeah. story real quick. Go really quick. Yep. So you go. Know, all right. So you, you know, we were, we were in Florida for Christmas. I sent you a picture of Layla hanging in the pool. So I was uh-huh. drive. We were driving back, and I did the most probably one of the most embarrassing things of my life. I had, I had the uh, gas pump in, and I forgot it was in there, and drove off with it in there. With the gas, the no, gas you <laughs> yes, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah, hey, 
and luckily the pump had shut off already. I reached my the full tank, and the whole thing came down. I mean, I looked like a complete fool, Jay. I mean, Layla couldn't text her friends fast enough to tell her that I drove off with the gas pump. In so did you pull it? Did you pull it out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I pulled it out. I stopped, pulled it out. I went in the store and I, I, I found a worker and I told her, and I was like, hey, but here's the thing. I didn't acknowledge that I did it. I just said, hey, I noticed the pup was out uh, uh, hanging oh, out. Oh, no. You like, didn't own it. The- <laughs> I said it was I said it was on the ground. And this poor lady, she goes, was the gas running everywhere? I said, no, no. I said, the gas wasn't running. I said, but the pup was on the ground. I said, I wouldn't let somebody know what happened. Oh no! What state was this in? Alabama, man. But I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention the name. I'm not gonna mention the gas station because I don't want anybody to. I don't want anybody to tweet. I don't want anybody to tweet the name of the gas station, and then all of a sudden they're coming after me. But yeah, oh, but your girl Layla, she sat there and sent a text to her friend at Ron Collie before I even got out the car to pick up the gas pump. Oh my goodness! I saw her in the pool. It had to be like 30 degrees down there, didn't it? Well, hey, heated pool, brother, heated pool. It was uh, it was in the fifties. It was definitely warmer wow. down there than it was up here. Yeah, no doubt about that. But no, you you kind of got to own that when you pull the pump. When you leave the pump in and drive <laughs> off and pull it out, there, you kind of got to own that. <laughs> hey, I, I couldn't I couldn't acknowledge that it was me that did it. I just said, hey, yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know there's no gas running though. <laughs> Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> you could have blown the whole damn place up, so I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't do that. Right. <laughs> so. Well, hey, that's that's what my dad said. He was like, you would have been a, you would have gone viral and and had been paying for a lot of insurance and stuff. So I, oh. I was like a complete fool when I did it, but I own it. I did it. Mike Wells, who that's like something somebody that 95 years old still driving. They they take away your license if they learn you do that. <laughs> oh man, hey, I, I don't know, man. The problem, see, we had the dog, we had a dog with us. Sue Buster was with us, and I was paying attention oh, to him because he was he was flirting with another dog in the dog's park at the time. So yeah, I uh, I made that mistake, but your girl Layla, she definitely wanted to embarrass dad by telling all her friends about it. I love, I love Layla, love Layla. Happy New Year to you guys. Make sure you guys are listening to me tomorrow night on B one hundred five point seven Jamby Takeover. Uh, uh, it's going to be a right, it is going to be a rager. I promise. Hey, happy New Year's, brother. Talk to you later. You guys, Mike Wells, pump lever inner right there. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Our friend Tony East, who does so much, Forbes Sports, WTHR.com, Locked on Pacers, at the next hoops as well. You can find him. Um, all right. Has your mind changed at all? And I know that with Miles, this comes down to whether or not he's extended, whether he's agreeing to it or they want him to, whatever. But has your mind changed on how you felt about both he and Buddy Heald remaining as a part of the fabric of this team that has been successful so far since maybe what we were talking about, Tony, at the start of the season? I don't, I, you know, I think they both fit maybe a little better than anyone thought, you know, who had this, it, it, even if they lose tomorrow, this team's over 500 at New Year's. Like nobody thought that was coming for this Pacers team. So I, I, I there is the changing thought of, 
wow, they both fit way better than we thought. They've both been awesome in the locker room this year, both been great vets in a way that they've never really had to be before. But, uh, look, this team is still in year one of whatever part of the project they're in, and they have to be thinking long-term now. They don't have to. That does not mean they have to trade anybody, right? If that means Miles Turner gets extended and they just hold on to Buddy Heald because he's got years left on his deal, that's now way more viable than it was before the season so the only change i think is not necessarily the thinking i think the thinking is still long term it's how can we make them part of the long term if they want to change their thinking at all what do you think's going on uh, take a shot inside the brain trust there <laughs> with pritchard and buchanan and obviously rick carlisle with some knowledge being thrown in as well uh, is this something that maybe they thought that was going to be easier to do than now if you maintain what you have seen so far with this group you rethink it? What do you think is going on with the brain trust right now with that in mind? It's way harder. Their job is now way harder over the next month than anybody thought it would be. You know what it kind of reminds me of, JMV? I don't know if you remember this too much, is, is the first year of Depot at the trade deadline. You know, they had these vets, Darren Collison, Boyan Bogdanovich, a couple others, Corey Joseph, for example, with the second unit, and they made no trades that year. And there was a lot of pleas from the team, or at least that's how it was described from the front office, that, they didn't want that team to be broken up. They wanted to see through what they had been doing. They wanted to try to make the playoffs, make some noise in the playoffs with that unit. And this team sort of gives me a similar vibe to that team. They're a little worse record-wise and clearly are much younger. You know, it's a longer-term project, certainly, as we were told before the season started. But in terms of, you know, Miles Turner made that comparison last night in terms of group unity and, you know, the team kind of exceeding expectations and being better than people thought because of, the group unity, right? It does remind you a little bit of that season. So I think part of the hard task for the front office will be, are they willing to break up a good thing to an extent if it means they have to trade away a, a key veteran or a big piece to think long-term? And I, you know, that's hard to do. Like, even if you are, if you spend all this time this summer committing to a new approach, like the tantalizing nature of just, wow, we're really good. All these guys like it here. You know, Kevin Pritchard really cares about the human element of trade. Uh, th that's really hard. So I think they're in a tough spot, and I think that's going to potentially look similar to that, that season I just described, or maybe it's smaller moves or no moves at all. At T East NBA covers the Pacers. It's Tony East with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The quote after the game to the uh, post-game crowd from Miles was, we're building something special. Just keep believing. Does You think he believes himself to be – uh, an essential part of the, the fabric now moving forward, or do you think that was just saying something in that moment? Uh, well, I mean, I think he believes that he's a key part of this team this year for sure. Uh, you know, he was talking on the actual podium, not even to the crowd about, you know, how, how this team feels and how he feels a part of it. And I've been, this has been kind of the tour to Pacers week for former Pacers, excuse me, week for me, where, you know, they played uh, the Hawks on on uh, on over the weekend, right? So Nate McMillan was in town, Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday were here. Then they played the Cavs, you know, Karis LeVert, and then Paul George is coming. And I've been talking to all of them about Miles, and, you know, they've been seeing him play more confident and, and more effectively in the role that he's currently in. And some of it, of course, as they've described, is he's the only center. He's playing a role that's different than what he's played for the last four or five seasons. But they all see Miles Turner playing you know, more confidently uh, this season, playing playing better, playing like the player he always said he could be. And I'll be curious to get Paul George's comments on that tomorrow as well. But, you know, I do think Miles is, is in a role that he really believes in and, and has wanted to be in for a while and believes in his team. He's got the best passing point guard he's ever had. I don't Again, I don't know how 
how much the infatuation truly is, but it certainly seems like he believes those comments and believes in the long-term future of this team. Well, we saw a couple of different examples last night, and we do on a game-to-game basis whenever Miles goes out. Because you can just tell, I mean, radars are up when he's in there. I mean, that is a concern. That's on the, the game plan. That's what you look out for. And, you know, that is a positive for the Pacers because teams have to prepare for that. And on the other side, with Buddy Heald, you saw it a couple of different times last night. Halliburton could have made an extra pass. But he didn't because either both times or certainly one of the two, Donovan Mitchell came out and covered Buddy Heald before he had that pass before that extra pass was made that led to a couple of wide open made threes by Tyrese Halliburton that threat alone is such a big deal sometimes we get wrapped up obviously in the box score but those were two on both sides of the basketball moments for two of the guys most commonly mentioned in trade rumors out there that I think Pacer fans should take note of because I thought both were big deals beyond the box score and will continue to be so yeah, I 100% agree. And that some, when I talked about Buddy Hield a lot before the season, right, when all the, the Lakers chatter was, was happening in media circles and stuff like that was, you know, yeah, I get why he maybe doesn't fit the Pacers' timeline and core, but spacing, you know, for a young team that needs to learn how to operate in space is really important, right? And you saw that last game perfectly. It also helped that I don't think he's missed a three in like six weeks or something like that. But, you know, the spacing he's been providing is so so valuable for a young team that's learning and developing skills to have a ton of space to work on that stuff during a game, right? So not only is, of course, he one of the best shooters in the league, he's first in the league and made threes. You know, that's something certainly he never misses time, but also really helps the rest of the guys offensively have space to do stuff. And that would have been valuable even if they weren't, you know, 19 and 17 after 36 games. And then, of course, with Miles, I'll never forget it in the playoffs in, in 2019 when Kyrie Irving, the Celtics have been carving up the Pacers for three games, and he says, we literally change our game plan when Miles comes in and out of the game. Like, it, it, you know, he's frightening at the rim, not even from a block shots perspective, but just you, know, you pull out a drive sometimes, you pass out sometimes, you have to shoot your layup differently. Like, it's not even just the blocks, to your point about the box score. It's just everything that it yeah. changes about your attack, about how you finish, about how you play. Does that take him out of rebounding positioning still? Yeah. Yeah, yes, it does. Like, I forget which uh, opposing coach it was. It might have been Nick Nurse that was talking about how you know, his team strategy on miles sometimes is just make sure your layup goes really high up so he doesn't block it and then he's out of position for a rebound. But his defense certainly changes the game and helps other Pacers who are in front of him. And Buddy Heald's the same way on offense with his skills. Uh, they've been really beneficial for this young team. Tony East covers the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, regarding Buddy Heald, it's also been mentioned that, well, his presence could be detrimental to the maturation and the growth of Benedict Matherin. And I call such a high level of BS for that because Matherin's, Matherin is going to mature and get better and evolve at a higher level regardless of whatever happens. Because that young dude, he can't adapt to anything. That's just how he's built, single-minded focus. That's the last thing I would worry about in any trade rumor, any, well, this is what you got to do with healed. And the thing I would worry about the most is the value of somebody that is that legitimate of a shot maker of the NBA is of the highest value. Roll with it. I don't understand why that's even a conversation. Yeah, the, that that's a silly. The, the, the Mather and Heel thing is a silly thing. Like, I think that is just people wanting him to start, which I understand wanting that, but Look, he played 36 minutes last night, and he'll, Benedict Matherin did. And he'll also played a bunch in that game, and Tyrese Halberton did. It's possible 
for them to play all of those guys a ton. It still is the, la- the the situation they have set up right now, which you know I, I love when Carlisle gets asked this question now because he always answers it in my favorite way. People ask, you know, why isn't Benedict Matherin starting? He said, you know, why should he? You know, what what would we get out of that? Why would that be better? Because he still gets better usage with the second unit, but he gets to play with Tyrese a bunch. He gets to play a bunch of minutes still. Like it, it, the situation they have now is perfect for everybody, and Buddy Hield's involved in that situation, right? They've got it set up really well from a minutes perspective and from a development perspective for for all those guys to play and be in their best role. And to your point, absolutely, shot making a premium in the NBA this year. It's no secret that the Pacers have not had a shooter of this caliber. You know, Doug McDermott's been their only real high-level shooter in the last four or five seasons since Bogdanovich, basically. Like, it, it's transformed the whole offense to have Buddy healed around. There's a reason that his skill set is so chased around the league. Uh, Tony East is with us. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I look at that. I, I'm not, the last thing I'm worried about is the maturation process for Benedict Matherin. He's going to get right. it regardless. I mean, his, his answer last night to the uh, Neesmith dunk that I had one better in college in the tournament was just so, so Matherin. We're so not used to hearing that level of bravado. And when, when somebody can do that and then back it up, man, that just makes it awesome. I love it. That was my question, and I, I completely forgot about that dunk he had on TCU <laughs> when I asked him, and he was laughing about it, which good. He paused, too, which meant I knew he was thinking. I said, you know, Tyrese said it was the best in-game dunk he's seen last night. Do you do you agree? And he was like, yeah, you know, I might have had one better. <laughs> so he made up something to think about it. He's so mature for his age, and like you said, he's so good at adapting on a game-to-game basis. He's so coachable that, yeah, I, no, I don't think there's, there should be any long-term concerns about how his role this season will impact his future. I know it's still really early to make these these huge descriptions and he he's like the terminator. He just he doesn't stop. And if something gets in his way, if he doesn't make a shot, if he gets blocked at the rim, if he dribbles it off his foot, if he steps on the baseline, that dude forgets about it instantaneously. I, I don't know when I've seen a young guy completely forget about miscues in the fashion in which he does play to play. And that, that is an amazing asset to have as a professional athlete. We talk about it all the time, Tony, with uh, defensive backs in the NFL. Got to have that short memory. You, you, get, you get burnt one time. You can't worry about it. His is like possession to possession. It just doesn't matter to him. He just moves on and knows that the next time he's going to get it done. That's an amazing asset to have at that age. It truly is. And that, you know, that's some of the stuff that I've been so impressed with him. I mean, obviously the numbers are crazy. Like he's their best rookie ever, but the, the way he does it, the way he's able to, you know, Carlisle will say, Hey, you know, you're being covered this way, do this instead. And he, he can do it in one game. Like it doesn't take him looking at film and a couple weeks to adjust. He can do it immediately. And, he doesn't get too low off of his bad play. But the same thing inversely is also true. Like, you know, he'll obviously have a, a rim-rattling dunk or a huge three that changes the course of a game. And then, boom, he's playing on, he's playing defense. He's ready for the next possession, right? Like, not getting too high is important either for some of these rookies that have never never played at this level, never had this much money involved in their play. Like, it, it's been so impressive both ways, really, in that skill. And, you know, we talk, you talk a lot with young players that, Know, are confident in the way they speak about how confident they are and how impressive that is. And yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of young players come through this Pacers team and, and act confident and that's a good thing, but he plays confident in a way that's so obvious. And I don't know if I can recall a young player playing with this much confidence and it's been such a positive for him and the team, the way he's been able to, to grow both as, as a person and player through just 36 games of his career. 
You know what's weird about it, too? Both he and Buddy have personalities that I don't think around the NBA universally would work with everybody. But they work perfectly with this group. You agree? Yeah, uh, I think Matherin's would work pretty well with most teams. Buddy certainly, you know, like Tyrese always jokes that he gets Buddy, like, better than any other player. And it, it takes certainly time to, to learn the, the Buddy Heald style. But, look, Buddy Heald is uh, – he does, the, he does a, a very regimented routine. He's going to do it every day. He's going to get his shots up. He's going to come in at night and get more shots up. His family's going to get mad with how much he's getting shots up. <laughs> you know, he, he's got his routine. He sticks to it. And once you know who Buddy Heald is and know what he's about, he's, he's a really good guy to have around all right, what do you think about tomorrow? Paul George, good to go, right? I know that um, uh, the Celtics got the Clippers on the road last night. I just, I don't want to see, and I've talked, you know, certainly glowingly regarding Miles. I don't know if I can go through another 33 getting Zubots like he did last month. I can't have that. Yeah, look, that that's Miles. But even this season when Miles has been the best he's ever been, that's been his biggest problem. That's been this team's biggest problem on the glass, and Zubots was, the biggest example of that, certainly. But, like, had they lost to the Cavs, they got out-rebounded by almost 16 on Tuesday night. They made so many threes it didn't end up mattering. But rebounding still has been a huge problem for this team. And they're going against one of the best in the league on the last day of the year. You know, good chance to get get a good taste in your mouth heading into the new year, have fans be thinking highly of you. You know, that that's an important game to get that rebounding right. He almost had 30 and 30. Like, that is unheard of in the NBA these days. And, man, don't remind uh, yeah. me, man. That's going to make me feel bad. Come on. <laughs> I get that he does it against everybody, but you know he single-handedly dominated the Pacers on the glass, and they're playing small, which has been working for them. I don't think they should go away from that, but it certainly makes it harder for them to rebound. And I think that that, that could be the key. Like the, the Clippers are, are have been playing their stars now; they're they're really good when they are all healthy, yeah. like they have been in their last couple of games. But they still have some holes in their team that you know if you win the possession battle. You can beat them. You know, they, they, they are not infallible. The Celtics literally beat them a couple days ago. But rebounding is so key. If you give the Clippers extra possession, you're going to have no chance. Leonard played last night. Paul George played last night. The expectation is both play coming up tomorrow afternoon. I haven't looked at the injury report yet. I don't, I don't think either teams will be out for the next 30 or so minutes. But, yeah, they've been playing most games recently for the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard looks as good as he's looked, well, obviously he didn't play last season, but uh, as good as he's looked in a long time, yeah, they're threatening and healthy, and I, I don't know what their official day-to-day plan is for that Clippers team and that core, but it seems like if patterns continue, they'll be playing. Tony, I appreciate you. Forbes, WTHR.com, Locked on Pacers and more. Thanks for all that you do. Have a fantastic new year, and uh, we'll talk again coming up in 2023. Thanks for having me, and Kyle, congrats. You nailed it. Great job. I appreciate Thanks, you, man. It is Kyle Unimark Friday right here. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, he is friend of the show, voice of the Hoosiers, and has had an incredible amount of time on his hands, I think, recently here. <laughs> Don Fisher joins us. What are you doing with all this time with uh, this basketball team not playing games? What's, well, what's going I'm on? Myself, I'm kicking myself in the behind, John, because I didn't 
plan for this. I should have looked at the calendar much closer than I did because uh, I would be in Florida right now playing golf someplace if I would have known we're going to have 13 days between games. Well, you know what, though? With all the flight situations and all the people that I knew went down there, first of all, when they went last week, Don, it was funny. It was like 30 degrees all the way to Naples. That does make me laugh a little bit. <laughs> and then they couldn't get their asses back because the flights were all canceled. And some, I think, had to maybe rent a stagecoach or something to get back. So you can look at it that way and be, be glad that you stayed in Greenwood. I guess I can, but it still makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, so Ted, Ted Bishop anytime. wouldn't let you out on the course like yesterday. It was a nice warm day yesterday. Ted not letting well, you out there. It was a little. It was a little drizzly and all kinds of good stuff. It, <laughs> it hadn't been the best weather up here either, and obviously it hadn't been all that bad because we haven't had the snow. A lot of people have had, i.e., Buffalo. But uh, yes. that said, you know what? Uh, we're all blessed, and we, we have a chance to to sit around and uh, kind of do what we want to do: twiddle our thumbs or. Uh, spend time with family or whatever the case may be. It's it's not all that bad. I'm making it sound worse than it is. Well, I mean, and, and you know what? If you really kind of, you know, get yourself all fired up, just just cruise on over to 135 in the afternoon when nobody else is at work either during these days, right, between Christmas and New Year's, and that'll drive you insane. <laughs> you have a point there, too. I did experience some of that this week, as you know. I'm telling you. I'm thinking, why do I ever come up this road when I know school is out? Why do I do that? <laughs> well, we all, we all forget from time to time what at that particular time as well. So We do, buddy. We, we do. Um, I know this won't be proven, and we won't really have an answer until we see them play uh, coming up on Thursday, as it is the 5th at Carver-Hawkeye, uh, to uh, restart that Big Ten season. But what do you think, just opinion-wise, is, is this a good amount of time off for this group, or is this a group that maybe would be needed another game within this time span? I, I personally, I, I think this is too much time away from basketball, to be honest with you. And I'm talking about from a game standpoint. I just, right. I think you have to have, you know, if you took a, a week off, that would be more than enough. Um and this is a two-week period without a game. Uh, I think there's been plenty of time for guys to get healthy. There's been plenty of time for, for you know, guys to see family and all those kinds of things. And I know Mike gave them plenty of time off as well, but they're back practicing. I went down and watched them yesterday. Um, and this team still has a lot of work to do. There's just no question about it. So from a practice perspective, I'm sure Mike uh, is excited about that because he, I know he has a lot of work to do and he knows yeah, I would agree with you, too. Now, was that planned, you know, having this much time away from game to game? Was that a part of a plan? I have not. I don't think it was, to be honest. I'm sure it's a scheduling screw-up of some kind. Not a screw-up, but it was just a scheduling scenario that, that just they couldn't fill for some reason, whatever the case may be. Um, and I haven't talked to anybody about it either. I haven't asked uh, Mike about it, and, and, you know, at this point it doesn't matter. They've got the right. time. It's the time to, to get things right. And I'm not exactly sure if they can. Um, my, my personal feeling right now about this basketball team is it's just not tough enough. And I've said that to just about anybody that would listen. And uh, I don't know if anybody has. Uh, that said, I, I just think this ball club is – 
is just not there yet. And obviously you lose Xavier Johnson, who is probably your biggest alpha male on the team and a tough guy himself. Um, and that doesn't help things. And we don't know how long he'll be out for. He's had surgery on the foot. Um, the prognosis, I think, is maybe a shorter time than longer. But that doesn't mean it won't be February or mid-February or something like that before he gets back. So that's a long time in between now and then and a lot of basketball games. That's really good competition. So it's going to so be Don, I think yeah. it's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, and Don Fisher joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We both agree about this. And, you know, as much as made uh, in a, a critical realm regarding Xavier Johnson, you and I are kind of looking at it the same way. There, there's when he's on and, and playing tough and, and playing as close to mistake free as he can, this team does go to a different level. And when you look at this team, I'm not sure that you can find anybody personnel wise on it that makes up for that. And even getting through the mistakes that sometimes will drive you a little bit crazy. But, you know, if he can play at a high level, like we saw at the end of last year, then that is um, a feather in the cap of this team and something I just don't think they can they can find or they can make up on this roster. Well, we'll find that out because I, I do think Jalen Huchifino is a difference maker as well. I think he's one of those guys that can, that can make a big difference in this team. But, again, he's a freshman. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to do some things that sometimes look a little crazy out there or – uh, you know, he's not finding the right guy. Or he's not shooting as well as he'd like. Uh, but he doesn't press like like X does. I mean, he's a guy that kind of lets the game come to him in a sense. Um, and I think he's one of those guys, too, that's a very uh, cerebral basketball player. I think he's got great IQ. Uh, I just think that he, he, can, he can be the guy. But right now, it's always tough for a freshman to be the guy. If you know what I'm saying, especially when you got – four yeah. and five-year seniors on your basketball team and six in races case that have been here a long time, it's tough to take over that role when those guys are around. And X is another one of those guys that's been here for a couple of years now and is a senior and a veteran has been through the war. So uh, that's, where, but we're, that's where we're at right now. We'll see what this two-week period brings, if, if it changes anything, if we see other guys step up. Uh, Tamar Bates, to me, has probably been the, the, the guy that has stepped up the most so far this season yeah. uh, in the sense of what he's been able to bring to the table, especially in these last several ball games. And in watching him yesterday in practice, I thought the same exact thing. Uh, he has not surprised me because I think all along we expected this out of him. Was he almost a five-star guy or was a five-star guy coming last year? And then he had all the the uh, uh, family struggles and the situation that he took place with him that kind of knocked him off his, uh, off his game a little bit. But that said, he has come back this year. I think he's come back with the right attitude. I think he believes that he can help this team a lot, and he's playing with confidence right now, and that's a big factor. Uh, the, the other, the, here's the other thing, and, John, when I said toughness, I'm not talking about going out there and you know, hitting somebody. And I'm not talking right. about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about playing with a toughness or an intensity level that matches everybody you play against or better. And, and yeah. that's what we haven't seen. The only game we've seen that in this year, John, that meant anything was the Xavier game. And yep. I, if I was Mike yep. Woodson, I'd show them that the start of that ball game for the first, I'd, I'd show them that ball, that, that film uh, and how hard they played in that ball game every day from here up until the Iowa ball game, because I just think they played with that kind of intensity level and they matched it. 
that Xavier put on the floor. And Sean Miller, we know, is a tough coach. And Indiana was ready for it. And they haven't been ready for it against anybody else that they've played of significance at this point. No, I completely agree with that. It all kind of started, uh, and it's been starts, too. And you're talking about games of significance, Arizona and Vegas, and obviously in Lawrence with Kansas. They they just came and out Rutgers. and just put themselves, yeah, and Rutgers as well, put themselves behind the eight ball. And, and a lot was made, too, about Rutgers and on the glass. And in that game, and, and I, I think it was Mike Woodson even alluded to that, Dom, before the start of the game. And you know what? They still took a beating in that first half on the glass. And that was something yeah. that they, I'm sure, were told, something that was brought up in the game plan. That is, I think, also concerning to me regarding those three games, those three games of significance that we're talking about here. Exactly. I mean, I, I just did not see the intensity level. Um, and, and I can't say in warm-ups they were jacking around. I don't know that they were doing that. I've seen it in lesser games. I've seen them not being focused or as focused as they need to be. I saw it in the Elon game. I saw it in the Kennesaw State game. Uh, that That's a struggle for me to deal with because I watched – Bob Knight teams never do that. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that they didn't have a bad ball game now and then, but it wasn't because they were out there going through the motions and warm-ups and they were going in, in, in the ball games not ready to play. They were always ready to play. And obviously we've seen that in varying degrees throughout the years since Bob Knight, but never to the extent of the consistency uh, with which guys got ready to play each and every time they went out on the floor. And this team in the four years preceding it and in this season has not shown me anything close to consistency in that regard. Yeah, and it, it seems like back then you knew this. It was like, um, you know, that, that whole thing, that diatribe that Bob Knight went through about, you know, uh, you know, brain signals to ass on bench or whatever like that. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't see a lot of that because there was that – you know, there was that uh, shadow of, well, you may end up getting benched or you don't get as much playing time. And I don't know. I don't know anything. Certainly don't know as much as you do about the situation, but maybe it's there's not a lot of fear going on with guys who, who jack around in warm-ups. And you know what? I'm old school enough with you. That's something that would bother me too. <laughs> well, as you know, John, I'm really old. So, <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm gaining on you. Buddy, I'm gaining on you. <laughs> it is it is a struggle. There's no question about it. And I think the, the, the mindset of kids today and the mentality of youngsters today, and I'm not kid, these are young men, but, but the mindset is just different than it used to be. And, of course, now you've got NIL on the portal, and there's so many other things coaches have to deal with at this point that make it very difficult to do what you want to do from a coaching perspective. And let's face it, uh, if a guy yells at somebody now, or it gets in his face or anything like that, the next thing you know, the guy's gone. I mean, they just – kids, they can't take it, or they at least they don't take it. And the ones who do, obviously, are the successful ones. Yeah, and, and no doubt about that. I did want to get something that was a positive for NIL. And I'm, I'm assuming you probably saw this, the Anthony Leal stuff with his sister paying off her college. That's that's one of the cool things about this, you know, in a world where we're constantly talking about the negative, you know, with that in mind, with that kid, that's a really good kid by all accounts and what people tell me. And certainly, you know, more that was a really good story earlier in the week from brother to sister and what was given regarding NIL there. Absolutely. And that doesn't surprise me about Anthony because he's just a great kid. He is a terrific young man. 
He cares more. He cares more uh, about family than he does about anything else. But basketball is basically the second spot. And I know this, he works his tail off and, and he's constantly working out there on the floor to get better and to do the right things and to help his team win. He doesn't get a lot of playing time. He's not getting a lot this year. In fact, less this year than he did last year, the year before. But at least he is still working his butt off. And the other thing I see in him is just, just a great young man and obviously cares about his family. And that's, that's the most important thing in this world right now. No doubt about that. Uh, it's Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, with us. So a couple of weeks off. Back at it on Thursday. Ooh, that dreaded 9 o'clock start from Carver Hawkeye on a Thursday night. This brings back some bad memories right here. So I guess I'll put it to you this way. How can this IU team play on Thursday to get what we want to see, and that is Fran McCaffrey with that purplish hue at some point during the game that knows that the other team's having a high level of success. How can we get there? Well, hopefully he will help us in that vein because they've lost their last two ball games. One of the Eastern Illinois, which was just unbelievable. That was Marty Simmons' team that went over there and beat them. And then they get beat by Nebraska by 15. Now, part of the problem with Fran's team right now is he's still dealing with injury issues. Chris Murray was back for the first time in that Nebraska ball game, and they didn't shoot it at all well in that contest. They only scored 50 points. Uh, they really struggle in that regard. But I can bet that by the time Indiana plays, when they got Penn State between us, uh, between now and the Indiana ball game, uh, that's another game they could lose. And because and, Penn State's playing really well under Micah Shrewsbury. So but we know what we're about to face here in the Big Ten. You're going to face a really good basketball team and a really good basketball coach every time you get out there and perform. And this team better be ready for it. It better. That's uh, Thursday, by the way. So looking ahead, the 9 o'clock start at Carver-Hawkeye. You love that. What time you guys get home from that? About 5, 4 in the morning, something like that? It'll, it'll be between 3 and 4, I guarantee it. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know. That's one of the games that I don't look forward to as much as any other. I mean, always going to Penn State and State College and that boring atmosphere is one, but – Carver Hawkeye at 9 o'clock on a Thursday night, man. That's tough right there. I guess it could be worse. It'd be 9 o'clock on a Sunday night or something. But, yeah, 9 o'clock on a Thursday is worse. Well, you know it's a special night for the Hawkeyes, too. It's their 40th anniversary of Carver Hawkeye Arena. And, of course, they're celebrating on the night that Indiana comes to town. <laughs> oh, for, that is the 40th anniversary, huh? That is correct. Man, what I don't remember. What did they play in before Carver Hawkeye? Well, it was not a very good ballpark. It was, <laughs> it, I mean, it was, they had probably 14,000 or something like that that they sat in it, but uh, it was it, uh, kind of an old perfunctory type arena, uh, much like you would have seen at Lexington, Kentucky, uh, back in the day when they had old Memorial Stadium and, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we, you know, we've grown out of and haven't seen in a long time. So, and thank goodness, because some of the new arenas are really, really cool. Um, I just wish we had better seating for radio. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it looks it looks on camera like Carver Hawkeye kind of looks like Suet City a little bit. I'm, I'm assuming it's bigger than that, right? It looks it's, it's kind of the way that it looks. <laughs> well, it's a, yeah, it's a little bigger than Suet City. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it's a really neat arena because when you walk into it, if you walk into it from where the patrons park and so on and so forth. You have to walk down to your seats. You walk in from the top and yeah. you're down. 
And it's, it's really kind of a cool place. It really is. When I think of Carver Hawkeye, this is completely nuts here, which is usual, is I think about one of the last venues in college basketball that probably used the foul light tree, right? One, two, three, four, five. Remember the foul light tree? I'm assuming that was probably the last gasp the foul light tree had was at some point in time in Carver Hawkeye. It's been so long, Chad. I don't even remember. <laughs> you, did, you never had to look over and see the, the red light flashing on five to show you that somebody just fouled out on the light tree those days? <laughs> no, not that I recall, anyway. It's a awesome. Little, yeah, it's, I must be really old, and I must be really losing my memory. <laughs> I just noticed a lot of really – well, really, truth be told, that's probably that probably just ended in Greene County like a week ago. So that's probably why I know it, and you don't. So, the foul tree. I, I would anticipate that you'd have a better knowledge of that than I. I would, buddy. I would. All right. Hey, great new year. Have it. If you're out and about tomorrow, know that the JMV Takeover is back on B105.7. And I will oh, go cool. back into the, the 1970s and play some of your favorites. So, Bye, baby. I'm telling you. Bringing in the new year in style coming up tomorrow night on B105.7. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And, Don, I also want to recognize uh, Kyle Udemark. This is his final day uh, with the show and with the station. He is going to become a software developer. Thus, this is Kyle Udemark Friday in his honor. I know I know that. He told me that this was his last day, and I, I wish you well. And I said, first, I said, once you get your training in for your software stuff, the first place you could stop is my house and help me because I need all the help I can get. You just have to come over there and plug something back in, right? That's all I have to do. Just something you got exactly. unplugged. <laughs> all right, buddy. If, it, if, it, I'll pre- if you don't if you don't plug it in and you don't turn it on and off <laughs> with an on and off switch, I'm screwed. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> he can he can also tell you this. Like I'm losing a lot, including help in that department too. And technology, I have no idea. So I'm losing a lot with Kyle here. But uh, I understand. You got it, buddy. Have a great new year. We'll talk at you next Friday. Thanks, John. See ya. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. That coming up in a minute on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He covers high school. He covers college. He's a friend of the show, and he's on each and every Friday, brought to you by our 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, run by Joe Childers, who is here right now. It is CarX.com today. Bob Lovell is with that. You know, I know being 0-3 is one thing, Bob, to start the Big East for Butler, but it was another to see the way that they had little to no resistance at home against Providence last night. Uh, John, you know what, sometimes you've never experienced it, but sometimes when you're in a little bit of a slump, it's uh, it's hard to get out. Uh, it's hard to figure out what you need to do. And um, keep in mind, Providence is really good. Um, they're very, very good. And so you're a, you know, a young team, a new group of guys. Even though you've had non-conference games, life is different in conference play and you're off to a, a not great start. You have a lot of questions. And so it, it, it compounds itself when you play a team of that caliber in, 
in Providence. And so, you know, there, there are no easy answers. Um, as you well know, it's a make-or-miss type of situation, brother. You, you got knocked down shots. Dad said it last night. You, you have to make shots. And if you don't, you, you put so much pressure on your defense and everything else that you're trying to do that it can get away from you as it did last night. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk tonight, 930. Tomorrow night, 930 as well. Uh, got everything going on around here. This time of year, uh, in terms of high school basketball, really both boys and girls, but this is maybe a little bit more specific because of the calendar timing for the boys. Can you learn the most about your team playing in the, the non-traditional hours of the day during the week, you know, not necessarily on a Friday or a, a Saturday night? Can you learn a little bit more about your team in these non-traditional Christmas break game settings, Bob? No, I don't think there's any question, John. I mean, I think you that's a great question. I think what you find out about your bunch is, you know, uh, how you get yourself mentally prepared and, and how uh, and it gives you as a coach an idea of how you have to prepare your teams in, in, in different ways. For example, you know, everything, when you're putting your non-conference schedule together, you look to everything in that uh, in terms of what are we going to face when we have to win a sectional. So you're going to have to win three games. So you're basically going to have to win, you know, uh, you're going to have to have a midweek and then you're going to have to uh, have a back-to-back. And so you're going to have to do that more than likely on the road. And so you put yourself, hopefully schedule-wise, into those kinds of situations so the guys can know, you know, how much time they're going to have in between games, how much time they need to sleep, how much, how you're going to get prepared when the bus leaves, all those kinds of things, because it's a habit. You're trying to build those habits. And so, yeah, when you, the other part of it too, in these types of non-traditional type games, you're talking about different teams, different areas, different things, different challenges, and how are you going to respond to those kinds of challenges? So if you think of yourself as a championship-caliber team, you have to be able to meet all of those challenges and do all those things you need to do to get prepared individually and collectively and, and win in a hostile environment uh, under some difficult circumstances. So hopefully you put some of those types of situations in your schedule to get you prepared for that. Yeah, so Bob Lovell with us, I, we've talked about this before. I, I love – what North Davies has done. They, you know, won it a year ago, Class A. They vault past 2A, go up to 3A. They're involved in the Hall of Fame tournament today. I, I, I really, now maybe further down the road, that won't be very beneficial, but certainly with the group right now, Brent Dalrymple has down in Odin or now Nora, um, you, you can certainly do that. They lose in that early game, that semifinal to Northwood earlier today, which gets them a consolation game matchup. With, with Penn, I don't care, though. I love the fact that they have challenged themselves to a degree that we haven't often seen at the high school level in sports. Well, moving up uh, rather than moving down uh, a, 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 a class is, uh, is unique. Uh, keep in mind, Northwood's really good. Northwood's a team yeah. that um, I'm, I'm one of the, the people who believe they could emerge from the northern part of the state and head down and played Banker's Life for the 3A championship. I, I, and that's one of the reasons why Brent scheduled them. It'd be a team he might possibly see later. And I think, right. it, it, you know, as we've talked about, John, 
to try to put these types of challenges together so that his kids fully understand. You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, we're going to go play the, the uh, Class 3A instead of 1A or 2A with the uh, success factor. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to go out there and see bigger, stronger, faster guys, uh, great traditions, uh, tremendous coaching. So, um, you know, great challenges. I guess we'll know clearly when the season's over and we know how crazy all of it is. It's hard to win a championship irrespective of what class you're in, uh, but it's it particularly hard when you're going to bump yourself up one class. Well, and I, I think we'll also know you've got to have I – mean, maybe you're living in the now, and we all do that, and certainly the world of sports, we probably live in the now more than, than we have yeah, ever yeah. in the past. But further down the road – You've got to really, if you're not living in the now, have a great deal of trust in what you have coming up in your program from top to bottom. I mean, the grassroots all the way down because this decision, you know, will have a bit more of a lasting effect than just how it looks with a team that you know, for example, Bob, can handle it in a year like this year. That's a great point, John. I'm getting nervous here. You're making great points. Uh, I'm really uh, smart today. I think it's because I've started drinking early. Yeah. I'm really smart. <laughs> Frankly, keep it up. So I think, I think <laughs> yeah. the trust factor is great because, um, you know, you can look, if you're Brent Dalrymple, you can talk to your youth coaches and your junior high and reserve coaches and say, every one of us has to step up his game. Every single one of us. Our trainers have to get better. Our players have to get better. Our parents have to get better. We all have to elevate what we're doing to compete at the level we're going to compete. And, again, they understood what it took to win a 1A championship, which they did a year ago, and it was done in dramatic fashion. And they've been pointing toward that for a long, long time. Well, this is the next challenge that he's given his guys and his community. And um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they respond to it. It just – uh, we've talked an awful lot about tournament. Here we are at, at, at New Year's. We're talking about championships, and I think that's when you're talking about that, uh, talking about it all the time, that's something you need to begin to work into your your daily uh, practices and your daily sessions and everything that you're trying to do to make yourself championship-caliber team. Yeah, and I love the way that the schedule like this has evolved for high school basketball, both the boys and the girls, but, again, this specific to the boys is – if you find out that you don't like what you're seeing this time of year, right. you got a moment to come back and start the new year, kind of tear it down, build it back up in time for the teeth of your conference season, and then, you know, getting into the one-and-done postseason, you, you got that, that's a good moment to, I think, take that breath, look what you're doing, and maybe make that major adjustment. Well, especially on the boys' side, you're right. I mean, it's a little more difficult for the girls. Um, you know, they're, they've been at it for a month longer than the boys, and so you don't have nearly as much time to deconstruct and reconstruct, if you will. But you, you clearly do with the boys. I mean, you got you, you still two have two months until we start playing in the tournament, and so yeah. I mean, you, again, you, you've been doing these things in the off season, working on schedule, going to camps. You got to pick the right camp. Right, the right camp experience, the right uh, shootout experience, uh, multi-team type of event uh, throughout the summer. It's all part of the big picture, as is the schedule during the holidays. And again, you know, coaches will tell you, and they tell me all the time on the air, they wanted to go to a certain tournament because it's got great teams, you get great challenges, 
you get out of your particular geographical area. You go see different styles of play. You coach against coaches you haven't coached against before. From a coaching standpoint, you're able to develop some long-lasting relationships with guys that you've you've only heard about possibly on our show or read about in the newspaper in terms of different geographical area, and you see them ranked in the polls all the time, and you're wondering, what makes these guys so good? Well, you get them on a schedule in an event like the wedding uh, tournament over in Richmond or, you know, the Hall of Fame uh, or, what, or the Kokomo tournament, all the ones that are going on, and you strike up a friendship with those guys. So suddenly you're sharing ideas and sharing thoughts and making yourself better as a coach. That's all part of it, along with making your team better. And so when you expose your kids to the multiplicity of opportunities that are out there, I think you make them better. So, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, coming at you with all you need to know later on tonight. Um, obviously, if it's a who's who here in the area of a good starts, Ben Davis is the top of the list. Cathedral's right there. I'm sure you can factor in Brownsburg, go to New Pal, look at some of the other schools that I apologize they may not be. Uh, Center Grove is another one. I don't know. I, I didn't see. I know Center Grove, I think, was tied with Kokomo. I didn't see what the outcome was. Got beat on the putback at the horn. Yeah, and I just I know that Zach has had a, a really strong group um, down at, at CG so far this year, right. even with that right. loss to Kokomo today. What, what do you like so far about some of those teams in the area and the starts of the season they've had? I mean, I'd echo everything you said. I think the, the, uh, the Kokomo story is one that people probably don't know a lot about. Uh, Flory Badunga is their uh, center. He's a junior uh, being recruited by everybody, and he happened to be the uh, – guy who got to put back for the win over Center Grove today. And yep. uh, it's a tremendous story. They're, they're really good right now. Um, I just love what New Pal has done. They're undefeated. These guys are playing great basketball. And um, it's been not an easy thing to do. They play in a tough conference. Uh, they've done it and done it well. Uh, and it's early. It's still relatively early. John, if you will, I think it's one of those things where the teams that people expected to be good are. Uh, and rightfully so, like Ben Davis, like a cathedral, uh, like Brownsburg, uh, the list goes on. But there, um, there's a lot of time, an awful lot of time left. And as we head into, obviously, January, February, we're going to find out so much more about everybody. To Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, it has been an absolute pleasure once again in 2022. And the next time we chat next Friday, We'll be into 2023 and starting to get into the teeth of the uh, the boys season. And then a little bit of a stretch run for the girls coming up as we begin 2023 as well. Bob's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pilot every Friday brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. Joe Childers run CarX locations here in Central Indiana. That's CarX.com today. You have a fantastic new year and uh, we'll do it again here coming up on Friday, Bob. Thanks, John. As always, thanks for having me. You make my week, and good luck tomorrow night on the uh, the takeover. I know the the world has been has been anxiously waiting your return, <laughs> and uh, their 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 wishes are going to be granted tomorrow night. So have fun. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Bob Lovell on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I can't